Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. As usual, let's just take a moment and relax. Anything else that's going on, just let it fall by the wayside and just be reminded that God has everything in control. He's doing everything in your life for you. It's not a trick. It's not a test. He knows what's better, what's best for you better than you do. He knows your end. He knows the goal. He knows where you're heading what the direction is, and what the end result is. That's kind of where we're going to start. We've been talking about, again, the supernatural realm and learning about how the supernatural realm works. And why that's important is because our soul, your soul, functions in the supernatural realm. Part of that supernatural realm is the solical realm. Now, I'm not real certain on what beings have souls. We could, you know, discuss that and, you know, hopefully at some point in time we'll have a definitive answer. But right now we can say that creatures like us who have a, who are a spirit being and have a soul and live in a body, we have a soul. So we could say people, human beings have a soul. I don't know whether animals do or or ghosts or aliens or angels or demons or anything. I don't know. Now, I believe they all live in the supernatural realm, but I don't know if they have a soul. So that's something, you know, where we can start to distinguish different elements of our being from other kinds of beings. In a general way, because in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter. What does matter is, again, our own soul, your soul. How does it function? Because most of your life, you're living out of your soul and not your spirit. You're living out of your soul and a bit of your body. Some of us, more than others, living out of our natural body. And we make decisions and live our lives according to what's going on in our soul and, again, sometimes in our body. But, again, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And, yeah, we can, you know, talk about additional elements, but we want to keep it simple. We don't want to get into areas where we're going to disagree. We want to keep things very open. You are welcome to have different beliefs about the the makeup of the soul because the principles are going to be the same. Is that the process that we're undergoing here while we're here on this earth is to restore our soul. Whatever you believe your soul to be. Again, I look at it as your mind, will, and emotions. 
and I look at it that way for simplicity. Because we don't want to get so deep in the weeds about the details unless God draws us to those details. I mean, I'm, I, I love studying and research and, and details as much as anyone, but they can slow us down, they can bog us down, they can distract us from the simplicity of devotion to Christ, the simplicity of knowing him, of being with him. You know, I think this is part of our our challenge with defining and and understanding and experiencing prayer we've we've we all bring so much baggage to the the topic when really it's you know communing with god talking with him being with him is is he alive do you really think do you really believe that god is there with you is he present with you right now is he listening to what's your thoughts? And remember, you're, you know, if you've been born again, your spirit is what was reborn, not your soul. You had the same soul the day before you were reborn as the day after. Now, God, you know, changes us and heals us on a moment-by-moment basis. So it's not that, it, you know, you're, you're, there was no change in your soul. Hopefully your soul, I suspect your soul is changed, again, moment by moment, day by day. Your mind, your will, and emotions are always in a process of restoration once you've been born again. So really that's our challenge is to, by experience, be restored in our soul our mind, will, and emotions. Well, how does God do that? I suspect he does it a lot of different ways. But I think it's good to know and gain perspective because it can keep us from not so much hindering him but not enjoying the process not being a parta- willing partaker of the process. So when we think of our soul, think of again your soul when you first came into this earth, you didn't your spirit was dead. That was what died with Adam and Eve, their spirit, not their soul, not their body, but this they were separated from God because their spirit died. And and you and I that's why you and I are born dead in our spirit, separated from God. Now, yeah, we can talk about there's no such thing as being separated from God because God is in everything. He's in every cell. He's in every every element of creation, every element of and, and concept of creation and existence is not just created but controlled by God. So he is totally sovereign. But for, from our approach, again, he is, his end goal, his end purpose is for restoration. And we've talked before about why. Why doesn't he just, you know, bonk us over the head, we become Christians, he bonks us over the head and takes us to be with him. Because there's something that happens to us. There's an experience and a change that we go through that is valuable 
to him and to us. And I think it starts with appreciation and gratitude. We've talked about this before. But Adam and Eve could not appreciate God because he was always there. They had not lived one moment without his presence, without an absolute confidence of his love. So God had to come up with circumstances that would separate them. He created those circumstances. He created, you know, we use the example of the snake in the garden and the apple and all that. Fine, let's use that. God created the snake. God created the apple. God created the garden. God created every, every element of that scenario. Not for punishment, not for a test, but because there was something that was missing in Adam and Eve. And, you know, I sometimes think about how long were they in that garden? garden? How, you know, they could have been in that garden billions of years. Because, they, you know, they were, their bodies never died because they were, you know, eating of the tree of life. They had eternal life in their spirit. They are eating, you know, their, their soul was joined to their spirit. So their soul was constantly being, experiencing eternal life and their body as well. They, they had no need. They had nothing, no want. You know, God gave them purpose and things to do, like naming all the animals, things like that. And who knows what else? maybe setting the stars in the heavens. But there was something that they couldn't experience without being separated from God. So God arranged the circumstances. And obviously they were very negative circumstances. But God was okay with that. It's not that he he rejoiced in their pain. He felt their pain He felt the separation. He felt their not being that one with him. I mean, think of, you know, he created these these beings to be with him, and, and they were part of him and enjoyed everything he was giving to them. And yet there was lack. And in order to, to show that lack, to, to fill in those empty places, he had to push them away. And we, you know, have the example of he drove them out of the garden. They were on their own. They were without spirit. With They no longer had access to the eternal life that had been sustaining them. So for the first time, their soul, and to a lesser extent their body, had to meet their needs without spirit, without God without eternal life, without the kingdom. They were on their own. And it was a pretty abrupt change. They, they knew each other after the spirit. All of a sudden, that spirit wasn't there, and they knew each other after the soul and after the natural. And they knew themselves 
I mean, think about they they never lost their temper. They were never jealous. They were only, they had God's nature within them, so they were only generous to one another and caring and careful and protective and nurturing. They were all these things that God is. They were to themselves, to each other, to God, to everything that God brought into their circumstances, into their lives. They experienced and and contained God's very character, his very nature. And we know his nature is, is to love, and he expresses that love by giving. And that's what Adam and Eve did for who knows how many years, how many millions of years. They were in that garden giving. And yet God said, this is not good enough. There's something lacking. And that was appreciation because they always had him. They always had all their needs met. And that's the way God had arranged it. So he didn't, he wasn't angry with Adam and Eve. He wasn't disappointed in them. This was all part of his plan. Because remember, time is nothing to him. He created it. He can stretch it. He can condense it. He can start it over again. He can do whatever he wants with with whatever he's created, which is everything. But that's the process now, just as Adam and Eve had to, their soul, Adam's soul, Eve's soul, all of a sudden was abandoned and rejected and without resources. But they each had a strong soul and a strong body. It was well-equipped because it had been one with spirit. It was their own spirit that was ripped away from their soul. It died within them. Then their soul had no access to God. It's not that they didn't know him. They remembered their experiences with him. That was probably such a a bitter experience to have had that intimate, personal, fulfilling experience, relationship with God, and then to have it completely gone. But that was God's plan. Because it was, it's only through lack that we can appreciate fulfillment, let alone abundance. There's a, a saying that you find out, there's two circumstances where you find out what's really going on inside of you, when you're defeated and when you're a victor. When everything's going your way and when nothing's going your way. And and for many of us, it's when things are going well that we have an even harder time. We, there's got to be something wrong. You know, it's, this is too good to be true. Or we get arrogant or, you know, uh, we're going to take revenge or, you know, all different kinds of things. But every circumstance that God has placed us in 
is for a reason. It's We may not know what that reason is. Odds are we won't here on this earth, but your spirit does. And this is where we get back to you are living right now. The vast majority of your experience here on this earth is through your soul. Not through your spirit, even though you're a spirit being. You have all the the life, you have everything you need for life and godliness to live and move and have your being here on this earth. You are in the spirit, in the spirit, in the kingdom right now. The kingdom is in you. You don't need to go somewhere. It's in you right now. If you've been born again, I mean, think about what that that phrase, "born again," of uh, something new, is conceived and is being brought forth. It's not a finished thing. It's a start. Now, your spirit is either living or dead. But boom, okay, now you've got a spirit. Now what? Your spirit starts to work on your soul. Now the work begins. And now it gets harder than ever. And we make it hard on ourselves. Again, we have a mind, a will, and emotions. And each aspect of our soul and every single aspect of our soul has gotten used to doing things its own way. Part of your soul has built up walls. Part of your soul has constructed elaborate ways of thinking about things, you know, doctrines and beliefs. Part of your soul avoids thinking about things or feeling about things or anticipating things, thinking about the future. We all have our own ways of approaching those meeting those God-given needs. You're, when God gave you, put you here on this earth, put you in a body, gave you a soul, and then when you're born again, you re, your spirit is, is re-enlivened. It's for a oneness. That, that goal that he has is that you would be spirit, soul, and body, one and complete. But to get there, your soul has never experienced that. All your soul has experienced is some level of success or failure at getting its God-given needs met. So as your soul is joined to your spirit, your spirit, your soul is meant to receive from your spirit. Receive eternal life. Receive all the information you need. Everything, you know, think of your mind, will, and emotions. Whatever your mind needs, the spirit has. Whatever your will needs, your spirit has. Whatever your emotions need, your spirit has. Well, then why isn't everything easy? Why do we still struggle? Why is it so hard? Why can't we 
get rid of our bad habits? Why can't we change? Why can't we make the right choices, the right decisions? Why do we get angry? Why do we, you know, fail? You know, why do we hurt people? It's because our soul is still working to maintain getting its needs met on its own terms. Simply, your, your soul has bad habits. And God being kind doesn't let them fail all at once. He, he picks some to fail and prepares us for that failure by giving us access and understanding and a drawing. Your spirit is drawing your soul to return to it, to be reunited. And as your soul comes into contact, even closer proximity to your spirit, again, he's, your spirit's drawing your soul. You don't have to go there, your spirit, because your soul wants to go home. Your soul is your mind, your will and emotions. You, you get, we all get tired. Is how come this is? You know, this is one of the reasons we've come up with these ideas about what heaven is. You know, occupy till I come, and then we'll all get to heaven, and we'll all, you know, it'll all be worth it. These are these are ideas that we've created to rely on to keep us motivated, and yet God says. No, this is this is about the kingdom is here now. You are it's in your midst. You enter it. You don't build it. You enter it and your spirit is already inside. So our mind is looking to understand before it trusts. Our emotions, you know, we have a tendency to think how we that how we feel is how we're doing we and that's our emotional myth and then you know we base so much of how we're doing on how we're doing you know that god if we keep on making the same mistakes god's not going to be pleased with us so much of the concept of sin is is based on behavior which is so much based on habit and even culture. But God has given you a path to walk and me a path to walk. And it's not about achieving anything for him. God already, you know, God already has all the honor he could need and glory and worship. He's not somewhere thinking, oh, you know, my, my, you know, glory meter is running low. I need somebody to glorify me to crank up that glory meter. He's, he's not that petty. He's not, he's not lacking in any area of his existence. He doesn't need anybody to pat him on the back and say, hey, you're doing a good job. Now, part of our existence here is to learn how to appreciate. So we say, thank you, Lord. And that starts that whole worship and enjoying expressing our appreciation to him. 
not because he needs it. It's because we do. And just like he did with Adam and Eve, he puts us in circumstances. Circumstances that most of us would never have chosen. And a lot of those circumstances, just like Adam and Eve, I mean, you look at Adam and Eve, they, you know, um, hundreds of years, they lived hundreds of years, and they had to experience their failure and ending up in such a brutal separation. God told them, don't do this. You can do anything else but this. And so they did that. They did the one thing they weren't supposed to. We're not going to get into, you know, who did what and what it symbolized and all that kind of stuff. The whole idea is that it was God's arrangement. God knew what it would take to, to lower them from their high place because they needed to be lowered so he could raise them, so he could heal them, so he could restore their souls. And you and I, that's we experiencing the same thing. Now, we've had, you know, how many hundreds of generations and we know that you know generation upon generation there is a cumulative effect in our soul and in our even our physical dna we could even say we we believe so much of the, of the doctrine because others have believed it we believe this 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 about god because others have passed it along and we've trusted in them and this is part of our challenge is okay God, what is your truth here? And and learning to have our soul, learning to have confidence in its own judgment. And how do we develop good judgment through experience? Through questioning what we're what we believe, what we do, what we feel. Not not in a harsh way. God loves us. He wants us to love ourselves as well. This is not about being, you know, be, being on God's side and and being harsh with us and fixing us. No, we're we are on God's side, and He is gentle and kind with us. There's two voices that speak to the sheep: the the shepherd and the butcher. If you're hearing the butcher, it's not Him. Now that doesn't mean He He doesn't you know, speak gruffly and say, stop, change your direction. It's not that he doesn't do things to get our attention, but it will never be, his goal is not to tear us down. It's to restore us, to restore your mind, to restore your emotions, to restore your will, your chooser, your judgment, the choices you make. And sometimes I wish that, you know, in the in the Bible that there were that more was written. When you think about, you know, how come Jesus didn't have a scribe walking around with him to write down every little thing? Now, I'm sure somebody was doing bits and pieces 
but even you know the different experiences of the apostles between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're they're varied. They're even the same experience. They remember it differently, which is fine. But wouldn't it be neat if we, you know, knew what he was thinking? If we had a really, you know, like a documentary of the day in the life of Christ or the three and a half years of his ministry. But that's what we would rely on. So I think it's very intentional. Obviously, again, all the circumstances, God's in charge of it all. But then we look at, okay, what are we depending on? Where, what is your source for truth? Who is speaking to you for God? Is it God? Can God speak for himself? Can God teach you himself? Can he counsel you? Can he heal you? Can he do everything you need through your spirit or however he wants to do it? The answer is yes. And the more we recognize, and this is part of our taking time during the day and and spending time with him to recognize, recognize his presence, how far he's brought us, that we're hearing him. Is there an area in your life that you've continually struggled? Be objective about it. And, and it's, this is not about you trying harder. This is about you using it as an opportunity, as a, merely a circumstance in your life that you can work with God say, and to work on your hearing him and cooperating with him and enjoying the process of his restoring your soul. So rather than thinking about it going around the mountain again or you need to try harder or you're, you're missing something, you need another conference or you need another, you know, a fresh anointing or you need to fast or whatever it is, no, just spend time with him. You can even just say, I'm going to spend this amount of time with you on a regular basis, and the goal will be that this particular issue is no longer a problem. And then you ask, Lord, is that okay? And if we do that with everything that comes up in our lives, we are fully available to not only what God is doing, but to having those wounds healed, the truth restored, our, our soul reunited with our spirit. And, and we will, even in the most stressful circumstances, we will not be enticed to try to fight these battles ourselves, which only strengthens our soul and separates our, keeps our soul separated from our spirit. So, usual, I didn't get to everything I wanted to say today, but that's what the homework is, is, is take some time. Is there an area where you keep on going around and around? Don't try to fix it. Don't try to figure it out. Just spend more time and say, Lord, I'm just going to spend more time with you until this is dealt with and see what he does. 
until he deals with it, until he fixes it, he changes it. He gives you the truth or he restores your soul. He changes your emotions, heals your wounds, gives you truth. Whatever it is that's lacking, he will do it. So thanks for tuning in. Continue to give feedback and questions at dianeattherainersclub.org. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, this has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.